Well, LSU's defensive assistant coaches' roles have officially been announced. And I have a question about the dynamic of some of those assistant coaches and some questions about one of the coaches himself. You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome into Locked on LSU. Happy Friday. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube as well. So you can totally listen to the podcast on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. If you're on the go, maybe you want to throw in some headphones while you're doing something else. But also remember, you can watch us. Just check us out on YouTube. Search Locked on LSU in the YouTube search bar. Hit that subscribe button and you'll get notified as soon as new episodes of Locked On LSU drop. Today's edition of Locked On LSU is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off of your purchase. Let's get into it because we finally have official titles for LSU's new uh, defensive assistant coaches. We know Blake Baker, it's already been announced. He is your new defensive coordinator. We know Bo Davis, it's already been announced. He is your new defensive line coach. But there were three new hires. Corey Raymond, of course, a familiar name to LSU. He served as the LSU secondary coach, quarterbacks coach, front corners, backs coach from 2012 to uh, after the 2021 season. Uh, Jake Olson, also hired from, uh, from Missouri. Kevin Peoples, the defensive line coach at Missouri, was also brought in. So there were some questions about, okay, well, Bo Davis is your defensive line coach. Exactly what is Kevin Peoples brought in to LSU to do? Exactly what would be his defined job title? We have some clarity on that. And I have some questions on those job titles. First and foremost, I'll start with Corey Raymond and Jake Olson. Now, a little bit of background. Jake Olson, if the name by any chance sounds familiar, it's because Jake Olson was at LSU. It was the same year in 2021 that Blake Baker served as linebackers coach. Now, Jake Olson served as a defensive assistant. And of course, Blake Baker, Jake Olson, they were not retained when Brian Kelly came in in 2022. Blake Baker went to Missouri, served as the de- as the defensive coordinator. Jake Olson has been a defensive analyst, just a defensive overall assistant at Missouri for the past couple of years. Um, so Corey Raymond, of course, was at LSU, was the cornerbacks coach, or excuse me, was the secondary coach, and then the cornerback coach left for Florida. He's been at Florida for the last two years. He left LSU when Brian Kelly was named as the head coach. So Corey Raymond, his official title is the secondary coach. That was his original title when he came to LSU in the early to mid-2010s before transitioning into the cornerbacks coach. He will be the secondary coach. Jake Olson, on the other hand, again, who's been a defensive analyst, will coach the safeties. My question is, how does that dynamic work? You have a secondary coach and you have a safeties coach. Corey Raymond's not the cornerbacks coach. You don't have one individual coach for the corners, one individual coach for the safeties. So I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know exactly how practice is going to be run. I don't know who is exactly in charge of what, what responsibilities fall on the plate of each individual. I don't know that. I'm sure they do. I don't. 
Here is my thought on how that is going to work out, that dynamic between Corey Raymond and Jay Golson. I think that this is Corey Raymond's secondary. He's the secondary coach. I think that Corey Raymond, essentially, for lack of a better word, is Jake Olson's boss. That Corey Raymond is, you know, the overarching umbrella over this secondary, and Jake Olson is narrowing in on the safeties, where Corey Raymond can take a little bit more of a closer look of the corners. But he's not just the cornerback's coach, because he's also in charge of everything all-encompassing. So if the secondary fails, I'm going to point to Corey Raymond, because he's the one that's in charge of the secondary as a whole. Now, I like this dynamic. I don't know how um, how customary this is. I really don't. Looking around college football, I don't know what percentage of programs have a corner and a safeties coach. I don't know what percentage has one secondary coach. I don't know what percentage has maybe this setup that LSU has. I like it for a few reasons. First and foremost, it's not just corners and safeties. It's a unit as a whole. We talk about defensive linemen, how that needs to be a unit. Offensive linemen, probably more than anything, we emphasize the importance of a unit. You're probably going to be changing your scheme week to week. That Your secondary might look different week to week just in terms of number and in terms of scheme. So you need somebody that's in charge of all of that. You need somebody that's in charge of game planning. That's going to be Corey Raymond's job. I believe it also will be Corey Raymond's job to work on technique and more of the nitty-gritty with the corners. Jake Olson's job, I think, will be executing and communicating to the safeties what Corey Raymond's vision is um, and also working on technique, fundamentals with the safeties. And I like this because you have somebody that's responsible over looking over the unit as a whole and not just looking over the individual positions themselves, that you're not just working as two separate entities. There's a reason why we call it the secondary, that it encompasses two different positions because it is one whole unit. So I like that dynamic there. The other reason why I like that dynamic is because let's be honest, let's look at Jake Olson's resume. And I'm not, I don't claim to be a Jake Olson, you know, insider. He doesn't have a lot of experience being a positional coach. Jake Olson, for the good bit of the last few years, has been an analyst. Now, I'm sure that he's worked with individual units and groups here and there, and I'm sure that working under Blake Baker the last couple of years at Missouri, he's gotten some experience being that go-to positional coach, but this is really the first time, at least in the last couple of years since he was at LSU in 21, that he will be in charge of a positional group. So at least he has kind of a Corey Raymond there to be a mentor in terms of coaching, to have somebody to fall back on, to have somebody say, hey, how do I go through this? I'm dealing with something with a player. How should I proceed? So it's not all on him. It's not that he lives, that, that this unit lives and dies by Jake Olson, that he has a little bit of a safety net as far as Corey Raymond is concerned. So that's just how I expect this secondary to be coached. I don't know what practice is going to look like. Again, I don't I don't know exactly what the nitty-gritty of it all is going to be, but I think that Corey Raymond is in charge of everything, and Jake Olson is kind of an assistant, and I don't mean that in a derogatory term in the slightest. It's just Corey Raymond has the title and has more responsibility, and Jake Olson will assist him in that. Um, the other question that I have is about Kevin Peoples and working with the edge rushers. You know, how, how does that dynamic work? Um, of course, you know, it's a big unit and your front seven, are you going to be working hand in hand 
with Bo Davis. I kind of view that dynamic maybe kind of similar to Corey Raymond and Jake Olson, and that is Bo Davis is in charge of this defensive front. This is his baby. Kevin Peoples will be working with him in tandem to kind of you know figure out how that getting to the quarterback aspect of it aligns and works with that defensive line. Um, the only difference there is, look, Kevin Peoples has experience being a defensive line coach. It's not like he's just stepping into this position for the first time. It's not like he doesn't have, you know, years and years of experience coaching at this level. So how does that relationship work, I think, is going to be intriguing. But overall, I think the, you know, my, my biggest questions are as it pertains to the secondary and, you know, as it pertains to the secondary, that's just how I view it kind of shaping out. But I don't just have questions about the titles or how things are going to work or who's in charge of what or who's responsible for what. And the reason why I think it's important to know who was responsible for what is because I think it's important for fans to know who to give the blame to and who to give the credit to. That's what sports is. You know, it's, it's blame and it's credit. It's wins and it's losses. Who whose shoulders does it fall on when things go wrong? Who gets the credit when things go right? And of course, it's a trickle up effect that if the secondary doesn't look good, or if the safeties don't look good, well, that's on Jake Olson, but it's also on Corey Raymond, but it's also on Blake Baker, but it's ultimately on Brian Kelly. So of course, it's a trickle up effect. But blame and credit, I think, is the most important thing here, just as fans and observing this team and this new coaching staff. But I also have some questions, maybe some skepticism as far as one of those assistants is concerned. And we will get into that coming up next after just a few words from our sponsors. All right, I want to tell you about FanDuel. So we are finally to divisional round weekend, and there is still so much time, and it's the perfect time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Like there's live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, plus you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays. One bet that I am making this weekend, it's a massive spread, but I'm still going to take the favorite team. I'm taking the Ravens to cover the nine and a half point spread against the Houston Texans. They have the extra week of rest. It's at home. I think CJ Stroud is just still too green and playing playoff games on the road is much, much different than playing them at home. So I'm going to take the Ravens minus nine and a half. That's my take, but do it how you want to do it and do it with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, thanks again for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. We're part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. And Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. So some very exciting things happening over here at the Locked On Network. It's called Locked On Sports Today, and it is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. So go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. 
All right, rolling along here on Locked on LSU. So we finally have some clarity as to what the official titles are of the defensive assistants. And I know titles, schmeitles, you know, whatever, whatever they're called. Um, what it ultimately comes down to for me, the important thing to me is what are you responsible for? And, who, you know, who do I look to when things don't go right on Saturday night in Baton Rouge? Who can I point the finger to? When things go overwhelmingly great, who can I give the credit to? So I just have some questions about kind of how that dynamic is going to work. But overall, I'm thrilled about this defensive coaching staff. I'm really excited about Blake Baker and his history at Missouri, how he was able to turn that defense around. Bo Davis, his resume, his reputation speaks for itself. There's a reason why Texas was so, you know, pushing so hard for him not to leave. There's a reason why LSU is throwing him the bag. It's because he's earned it. It's because he is that great of a coach. I'm excited about bringing Kevin Peoples in to coach up some of the edge rushers. Another guy who is known as one of the best, if not, you know, the second best to, to Bo Davis, one of the best defensive line coaches in college football. So excited about that. Jake, P, or excuse me, Jake Olson, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about Jake Olson. I don't have a massive track record of what he's done so far in his career. But, you know, if Blake Baker has worked with him the last two years at Missouri and he believes in his potential and what he can do and believes in him as a coach, then great. If I'll believe in Blake Baker, I'll believe in who he decides to bring in until I have any reason to believe otherwise. But I do have some skepticism about Corey Raymond. And look, don't get me wrong. Corey Raymond has done amazing things at LSU. I mean, the list of all Americans that he has coached at LSU is probably longer than most other secondary coaches or just assistant coaches in general in college football. Look at Tredavious White. Look at Jamal Adams. Look at Derek Stingley Jr. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I'm excited to have Corey Raymond back in the building as a recruiter. Like I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday, which you can absolutely find on your preferred podcast platform and on YouTube. So just go to his, his page on 247sports.com. Look at all of the players that he is at least somewhat responsible for bringing into LSU. And you're going to have to scroll down a couple pages just to get past the five stars. I mean, it's that many. And it's not even just DBs. Keishon Booty was in there as well. Um, so I'm excited to have Corey Raymond back in there as, as a face of the program, as a guy that can be on the recruiting trail. I'm incredibly excited about that, but let's be honest. His secondaries have sucked over the last few years. I, I, I just know whether no other way to kind of sugarcoat it, you know, at Florida, it was, let's see if I have the numbers up in front of me. I don't have the numbers up in front of me, but at Florida this past year, I mean, we saw Jaden Daniels throw for almost 400 yards against that Florida defense. I mean, were you pleased with LSU's defense in 2020? I wasn't. Corey Raymond was on that staff. Were you pleased with what you saw from LSU's defense in 2021? I wasn't. Corey Raymond was on that staff. The past, the past two seasons, Florida's secondaries have been absolutely miserable. They've been terrible. So I, I have some questions about Corey Raymond and his ability to bring this secondary back from the absolute depths of hell that it's been in this past season. But it wouldn't be fair to me to say, well, I have all these questions about you and I have all this skepticism about you and not at least share the, what would maybe ease my skepticism, what would potentially answer those questions. So this is what I, what would prove me wrong about Corey Raymond. Now, look, I'm not saying that I think he's going to fail. I don't think that he's going to fail. I just want him to prove 
everyone who is excited that Corey Raymond is back and believes that now all of a sudden this LSU defense is fixed, I want him to do these things to prove those people right. First and foremost, I, I have a list of three things. One of these things, a combination of these things, all of these three things would start to ease my concerns about Corey Raymond. First and foremost, it's the development of the young guys, the development of your young corners and safeties. I'm looking at Javin Toviano, and I'm looking at Ashton Stamps. We've seen some flashes of those two. And of course, those were very highly coveted recruits coming in in the 2023 class, true freshmen this past season. And we've seen some exciting and encouraging things from both of those two. I don't think that the plan was to see either of those two or both of them as much as we did this past season. And it was just because of injury. And of course, Denver Harris and Deuce Chestnut weren't available. Of course, Greg Brooks has been going through cancer treatment. So there's just unforeseen circumstances that came up. And now you're forced to go down the depth chart. I want to see more from them this year. I want to see them get bigger. I want to see them get stronger. I want to see them get faster. I need to see better technique. Please, for all that is good in the world, tackle somebody. And, and, and don't miss a tackle and then miss another tackle and then finally get him down 15 yards you know, fifteen yards after you should have gotten him down in the first place. I don't need J.V. and Toviano and Ashton Stamps to be first-team All-Americans, first-team All-SEC. I'll take it. I would absolutely take that in a heartbeat. I just want to see development from those two. Because when I look at the future of LSU, this upcoming season, next year, moving forward, when I view the future of the foundation of this team and of this defense, I look at those two and say, well, those two need to work out. Because they were such highly coveted players coming in, and also because you're lacking depth, that you need those young guys to start taking a step forward. So I want to see some development from Ashton Stamps and Javion Toviano. The other thing that I want to see, that if I can see this, in addition to the development of Ashton Stamps and Javion Toviano, or even just this alone, I need to see the potential realized more from the veterans. That I want to see development from the young guys. But I need to start seeing guys like a Sage Ryan start looking how we expected him to look. One of the top recruits in that recruiting class. He was a five-star coming out of high school. Every school in America wanted Sage Ryan. And I, th I think that, you know, Matt House did him dirty when he was moved from safety and then corner. And then you know, if you're a jack of all trades, you're not going to be a master of any. So I want to see Sage Ryan fall into a place where he needs to be, where his maximum potential can be realized, that he's not stretched so thin across the secondary, that he's not asked to do everything, that all he's asked to do is what he's best at. But I think that we, and, and look, I think you set up in a, in a tough spot, but also I think that we can all agree that what we expected Sage Ryan to be, he hasn't been. Now, again, I don't need him to be the best you know, safety or corner or DB in America. I just want to see more from Sage Ryan. I want to see what he can get from a guy like J.K. Johnson that transferred into LSU from Ohio State and has been dealing with injuries. I want to see that because J.K. Johnson, although he wasn't a consistent starter at Ohio State, he started some games at Ohio State. I want to see more from the guys that do have experience and that need to be the leaders in that room, that need to be the leaders at that position group. So it's development really all the way around. And the final thing that I'd love to see is, can he land one of these big guys? 
Can you land one of these top recruits or one of these top players in the transfer portal? Whether it's a Trey Amos, who's a Louisiana kid who spent this past year at Alabama. He's been in college football for the last four years, spent his first three years at ULL. Can you land a Terry Bussey, who is a five-star in this 2024 class that can play probably any position on the field? I was going to say maybe other than quarterback, but he probably could play quarterback just considering he's that good of an athlete. Can you land one of these big guys? Because if Corey Raymond's claim to fame is that he is a fantastic recruiter, and I believe wholeheartedly that he is, let's bring some of those guys in here because we all know, I know, you know, everyone knows how desperately LSU needs some depth in the back end. So that's what I want to see. Development from the young guys. I want to see more from the veterans. I want them to step up like veterans and kind of be the leaders of that group. And I uh, some more talent wouldn't help in that position as well. But that's a lot of defensive talk. Have more clarity uh, as to what this defensive coaching staff is going to look like in 2024 and what those roles are going to be. What about the offense? Still don't have an OC. So we'll get into that coming up next after a few words from our sponsors. Have you ever been trying to buy tickets? Let's say it's for a football or basketball game or a concert, comedy show, whatever it is, whatever event that you might like to go to, and you're stuck in a long virtual line or it's a super complicated process or you are thrown all of these taxes and fees at the end of the process. We've all been there. It's frustrating, but you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to the next big event. Game time. Game time is my solution. Game time is fast and it's an easy way to buy tickets for all of your events near you. They've got killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Now, I was actually, true story, I was on the game time app this morning because I wanted to go to a basketball game in my area. I pulled up the app and I was clicking on a couple of tickets. Let me pull it. I'm, I'm showing this on YouTube. I don't know if you can see, but on the Game Time app, I guess it's not going to show you because I'm turning my phone around. On the Game Time app, you can see all the different views from your seat. So it's not just a picture or an illustration of where your seat is. No, it's a full like 3D, 360 degree view of exactly what it's going to look like from your seat. I've never seen that on any other ticket platform before. And I think that is so cool that you know exactly what you're getting into. So I cannot recommend game time enough. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on L O C K E D O N for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply again, Create an account, redeem code locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, rolling along here on Locked On LSU. We know what the defensive coaching staff is going to look like, but after all of this, you know, hoopla of uh, Matt House getting fired, all of the defensive assistants getting fired, transfer portal, Nick Saban retires, had a lot going on. Don't don't forget that LSU still has yet to name an offensive coordinator. Don't forget Mike Denbrock left LSU to be the OC at Notre Dame. Now, I think that as more time goes on and we're seeing coaching hires across college football, it seems to me more obvious day by day the more the time goes on and 
the more that we haven't heard of any insight of, of at least you reaching out to some people outside the building, really no intel about an OC search, it seems to me that it's going to be promotion from within, which I am totally and completely 100% all on board for, that it'll either be Joe Sloan or Cortez Hankton. Now, I don't know what either of them individually are like as play callers. I mean, they both assumed play calling duties for the bowl game. Who called what? I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We're not going to know. They're not going to tell us. Who seemed more fit for the position? I don't know. You probably don't know, nor are they going to tell us. Uh, I would say if I had to choose between the two of them to be your next OC, this is a completely, probably unfair evaluation. I would lean toward Joe Sloan, simply because he's your quarterback's coach. Cortez Hankton is your receiver's coach. Quarterback is the most important position in football. It's the most important position in sports. That I think that if Joe Sloan has that relationship with Garrett Nussmeyer, building relationships with some of the young quarterbacks in the room, he's much more familiar with the quarterback. I would be more likely to promote that coach than a receiver's coach, just with the familiarity of the quarterback. But, I mean, if Cortez Hankton gets the job, it, it's because he earned it. It's because he proved more in that, what I kind of considered a trial run in the bowl game. So, honestly, you know, whether it's Cortez Hankton or Joe Sloan, I think that it, I, I'm not opposed. Not opposed to either of them. I would just lean Joe Sloan, given his, uh, his history with quarterbacks. One thing that I'm not cool with, one thing I wouldn't be okay with, is co-offensive coordinators is splitting play calling duties. I never think that that ends well. I think that sometimes the fewer cooks that are in the the kitchen, the better. Sometimes you just got too many grubby mitts on everything and then you can't get anything accomplished. Like let's say it's third and six. Okay, third and six. LSU is driving. They're in their opponent's territory. You need to score. You know, let's say it's two minutes and 30 seconds left. You need to score to win. Um, hello, we were in that position in the bowl game. You're at your own two-yard line. You need to march down the field 98 yards. You got two and a half or so minutes left on the clock. You need to score to be able to win. In those kinds of situations, in those kinds of maybe highly contested situations, do you run here? Do you throw here? Like, what kind of play do you run? Do we go for it on fourth and two? Those kinds of decisions, it's tough when you have two people that might disagree on those decisions. When you have one individual play caller, it's, look, it's it's third and six. We've been running the, the ball well all game long. Maybe we should throw it, but you know what? I trust my running back and I trust my O-line to create holes. Like, I'm, I, we're going to run it. But if you have two guys that are trying to decide that, you're going to have disagreement. You have a very limited amount of time. You know, I, I don't like that tension there. I don't like that you are going to have to basically share one of the most important uh, coaching positions uh, in college football. Like you're calling plays, uh, having two people do it. It's too much. It's the same reason why I don't want a, a dual quarterback system. It's too much. It's too much. It, it, there's too many different voices. There's, you know, too many different philosophies. It's, it's, it, I'm not on board for co-offensive coordinators. And if it's not going to work promoting one and not the other, then don't promote either of them. That's that's kind of how I view it. Don't promote both of them. Don't make both of them offensive coordinators. It's too many hands 
on play calling. That's too many cooks in the kitchen. That's too many voices in Garrett Nussmeyer's ear. It's too many voices to the offense. It's too much intervening that that Brian Kelly is going to have to play. Too much tie-breaking that Brian Kelly is going to have to play. It's too much tension and potential for disagreement on game day. I'm not having that kind of environment. I'm not building that kind of culture. I want one person who is in charge of calling plays, and if they screw up, they screw up. That's on them. So I'm good with either of them. If you decide to go outside the building, I don't anticipate that happening. But of course, there's options outside the building. I brought up Tommy Reese. Uh, I think it'd be kind of odd to not promote from within from two potential and deserving play callers. And you bring in another young play caller and not promote either of them. I think that's a weird dynamic. I'm out on, on Tommy Reese, but that's just one example of going outside of the building. If I had to put my money on it today, it's going to be one of the two. Just please, please, please don't make it both. All right, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for making Locked On LSU your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, everyone. On Monday's edition of Locked On LSU, we'll have a little bit of an update of rosters, uh, have an update of transfer portal, where Alabama's roster is at by Monday, if there are any names that plan to visit LSU that have, have, uh, have some interest in LSU. If there are any players left in Tuscaloosa come Monday, we'll get into that on Monday's edition of Locked On LSU.